everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast here on the Teardown Feed. My name is Jeff Gluck. I'm your host for these podcasts. And today we have another one of the interviews that I recorded while I was in Daytona for Daytona Speed Weeks. And this one is with Corey LaJoy. Now, if you tune into the podcast last week uh, with Chase Briscoe, you'll hear we did that one through the fence. There was a loud air conditioner. Uh, I learned from that. And so this one uh, was a little bit different. This one is behind the uh, fan zone autograph glass uh, window. So if you've been to Daytona and you've gone into the infield fan zone, each of the garages has a window like you're looking into a zoo. And there's a little slot there that uh, the teams can pull off. And then people can slide their autographed items through there. The driver can stand at the window and pass things back and forth. Uh, So I passed a microphone to Corey LaJoy, who sat on the other side of the window, uh, safely inside a garage stall. Um, I was masked on the other side, um, social distance, again, glass between us, all that stuff. Just don't want you to think we were like up close and personal or anything. Uh, We were quite safe. So that's where this interview will begin. I feel like uh, I'm visiting you in prison. (laughs) <laughs> or you're visiting me uh no i think i'm the one in prison and you're the one visiting me yeah That's yeah because you're behind the glass right yeah okay tell my wife and kids i, I miss them <laughs> visiting hours are on here we're here with Corey lajoy for the 12 questions just to set the scene for you guys uh we were gonna try to do this through the fence here at daytona but i did one earlier uh with chase briscoe okay and the air conditioners over here are so loud yeah this is a nice, quiet place. We're just we have to speak through the uh, the autograph window here. Twenty twenty is weird, man. But it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in person for since March, probably. So I know. Yeah, I, I miss you. <laughs> that feel I feel good to be missed. Thank you, you should. Yeah, but there I are, hear your voice a lot on your podcast now. New podcast. Did you listen to the first one? I, I, I guess I can give that thing a plug before we get going. Please do. Um, so Tim Clark, NASCAR.com wanted to kind of continue the infamous legacy of Sunday money, but uh, kind of rebranded a little bit, a little bit more of a structured show with some different professionals to come in and give their hot takes on what's going on with the sport. So I didn't realize how different uh, it was to be the guy who leads the show versus just one of the three heads that kind of continue to carry a show, right? So, you know, when I'm on serious with Daniel Trotta, she's obviously transitioning from different segments and she is a professional in all aspects of the word, right? Like she can make going to break stuff like stuff that does seem simple because they make it look easy is actually way harder than, than it seems. So um, I got in there. I, it took, we probably had two and a half hours of footage that Chuck Bush had to cut and produce for the first one. But wow. um, I've been, it's been fun working with Chuck. He was a producer and was, was on Glass Case. So we're kind of molding all the good ideas, hopefully good ideas into what will be stacking pennies for this year and, and beyond. So you've crossed. You have some people from from Plastic Box of Feelings now working with you. Yeah, former rivals come together. That's it. It's like, it's kind of like like Bubba Wallace and Denny Hamlin, right? Like you can <laughs> you can money overcomes all. That's right. Uh, well, thank you for doing this very uh, unorthodox interview here. Um, as I'm kneeling down in the fan zone, I hope this and is I'm, the first and, and last. And I'm sitting on a scale pad in. Uh, Justin, is this Justin? No, Kaz Gralis pit. Kaz Gralis. <laughs> yeah, 2020 is weird, man. Sweet. Uh, we're, we're, no, we're not even, 2021 is yeah. even weirder. Even weirder. 
Uh, Corey, the first question is, when you meet someone who doesn't know who you are, do you ever lie about what you do for a living? All the time. <laughs> yeah, I rarely say that I'm a race car driver. Really? Yeah. What do you say instead? Um, you know, I'm in town for a business trip. Like I'm a, you know, I'm a, uh, I've used, I've used everything. I've been a horse trainer. <laughs> that one is one. Uh, I go to a horse trainer often. Okay. You know, cause everybody thinks they know a little bit about horse racing, but not enough to know if I'm a trainer or not. Oh, horse racing trainer. I see yeah. what you're saying. Okay. I yeah, yeah. I, 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 okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, so I you're in racing. I'm in just racing. <laughs> just, I train the horses that race. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> Well, what happens if you get caught with this, though? Or somebody's like, no, wait a minute. Like, somebody else comes, they're like, hey, Corey LaJoy. Usually they can't get their Google up fast enough to, to check and de- debunk my, okay. my my story. Okay. Which current cup driver have you known the longest? Probably Joey. Yeah, well, or Bubba, one of the two. You know, Daryl and I grew up together. And, and I think Joey and I have really been tight since we were 14, 15. So probably both those guys fairly fairly equal. Okay. Um, can you describe to us what it's like to crash in a race car? Oh man, it happens super quick. Like the impact of it happens super quick and it hurts. Like it does not feel good. Um, especially, you know, rewind a year to the 500 here, smashed into Ryan Newman. Like my tailbone still hurts if I sit on it long enough in a particular way, just from that frontwards compression. So, um, crashing a vehicle at 190 miles an hour is no fun. Wow. So is that like, are you going to be stuck that with that for the rest I don't of your know. life or something? I wouldn't imagine. It, it's pretty good now. But, um, you know, if I sit on a hard seat for too long, I definitely feel it. Cause, wow. I mean, that's like the kind of the, the point of compression in the seat where you're, uh, you know, all the weight is on right, on right at the bottom of your, uh, right bottom of the seat. So um, that was definitely the most pain I've been in of a wreck i've had for sure knock on wood hopefully it remains the worst yes yes let's hope do you have any new habits or lifestyle changes you've uh made lately that you're particularly proud of it's a great question um my diet so after the year was over um the last racing season was over um we were pretty far down the road with spire talking about um you know doing a deal and i knew they were going to invest a lot of money to just up their program and and they were obviously wanting me to be the guy and you know i, I kind of saw the effort those guys were making financially and i was like you know what i'm gonna take this diet stuff a little more serious because i've always been a little bit haphazard with just eating a pizza or eating a cheeseburger or french fries and i was always able to burn it off but never really got in great shape so um the week after the week after phoenix last year i did a uh, one of those in-body scans and i was 14.4% body fat and just cleaned it up, cut out sugar and gluten and all the bad stuff. Um, and now I'm about 8.7 leading into the 500 this year. So I feel wow. good. Mental clarity is good. Um, you know, so I, I think that finally I'm starting to treat my body like an athlete more so than just a guy that smashes a gas pedal and goes left. Are you still mostly off sugar? That's really hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you do a lot of research. Sugar's absolutely terrible for you, and yeah. it's in a, a lot more things than you even realize. So, um, you know, I don't and, – and after about – honestly, after about five weeks of consciously not eating sugar, I didn't have any more sweet tooth. Like, I can – I was way more um, – aware of when i had something with sugar in it i'm like oh that like that does not make me feel well right so you know that that's probably eating cleaner is certainly something i'm i'm not proud about just 
my body's happy because I'm eating what it's what it wants. Yeah, I do eat Chipotle f- six days a week for lunch though, so that uh, that's putting a dent in the wild a little bit. But that's really the only place where you can get something and not prepare that checks all the macros. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. Uh, what makes you laugh during a race? What man, I've laughed several times in races. You know. It's not like a laugh, like, ha-ha, that guy did something funny. It's like, ha-ha, like, damn you. Like, you kind of, like, laugh, like, <laughs> I'll get your ass, like, the next time. You know, it's not like a, ha-ha, you know, funny joke. No, it's like, <laughs> you wait, motherfucker. <laughs> like, that's what, that's what, that, there's lots of times like that that make me, like, not laugh, but like a, <laughs> yeah, you think you're going to get me this time. Okay, that makes complete sense, actually. Yes, okay. Uh, what is a skill or quality you envy in another driver? So I, I so I'm going to do another, another long-winded answer. So dri- I always like to drive down to Daytona every year. I don't know what it is about the first one, but you just kind of – I love the eight hours of windshield time just to kind of like think about stuff and kind of press the play button on the year. And I was thinking about qualities of guys that – kind of the exact same question like what can i emulate in joey that in you know in my career or emulate with jimmy in his career to mine like you know and and i feel like um how joey is such a fierce competitor i i admire that about him because he is happy go lucky and you know he's cheery and smiley in the pits but like when he puts a helmet on he does not play games, right? Like he, there's no friends for him. And, you know, I, I admire that quality about him because he tells it like it is. He's not scared to back down from anybody. And I think that, you know, it's hard to differentiate being a nice guy off the track to being a tough ass on the racetrack. And he does a good job with that. And I think looking at, you know, into my career, I haven't really been in the position where I could really bear down and like, you know, race somebody for top 10 or top 15 consistently until this season. So this year I am going to make it a point to be a little less friendly on the racetrack. And I've been a lot more give than take on the racetrack. Um, just because of the positions I've been in, I was trying to get a lot of respect and pay some dues, but to the point now where I'm done paying dues, I'm ready to start and get some back. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so this next one is a wild card question. I'm leaving it open to myself to just ask people whatever I feel like asking them. So, uh, I, you know, I, I follow your social media, uh, with your son. We're, we're both parents of, uh, young children here. So what's the hardest part of parenting been for you? Like so far that, that you're just like, man, I did not realize this. Um, that's a loaded question because man, like they don't give you a, a how to book when you bring that kid home the first time. I think that parenting is really you get out what you put in, I guess, right? In terms of patience, in terms of being a a good husband, just the amount of time spent at home helping with your wife. Like, if you help your wife, she's going to be in a better mood. She's going to be less stressed, less overwhelmed. Uh, You know, so sometimes I don't check those boxes all the time. But, um, you know, I try to spend more time at at the house. I try to clean up a little more than I usually would. Try to, you know, change Levi more often or or. Um, you know, just be more present when I'm at the house, less phone calls, just, uh, and you know, I only do that probably 60% of the time, but, um, I want to be, I want to get a little better at that. But I think truly parenting is work. Um, 
a lot of stuff is hardwired in. I think when you when you see that kid come out of the shoot the first time, you're like, this, things ain't like they used to be. <laughs> and a lot of the things kind of change for you, but it is on the other way. Like it is work, and you got to continue to work at it. Work on your marriage as well as work on being a good parent. Okay. Uh, what is an embarrassing mistake you've made on the track that you're willing to share with us? Bro, I mean, everybody, like, so that's the thing about my career is, like, I didn't get a lot of time in trucks, only maybe four, two races or, you know, a limited amount of Xfinity races. So any mistake I've made on the racetrack, a quote-unquote learning experience, has been on live TV for millions of people to watch. Ooh. You know, a lot of guys make their mistakes in ARCA, a lot of guys make their mistakes in Xfinity deal. Like, the one that I'm, since, since I'm sitting right here looking at it, like, my first 500, I about killed Clint Boyer. Um, anybody can pull a tape on that. My first green flag stop here. You know how every somebody always wrecks on the first green flag stop here. Well, half the field peeled off, half the field didn't. And they called me down late, and I was about 300 yards past where my commitment line needed to be. And I, not knowing any better, tried to still woe it down. And I was going – I think Clint Boyer was woed down to about whatever pit road speed is, 55 miles an hour, and I was going about 140 and I, ju- I turned the wheel to the right and just missed him. And the, the thing, all the weight sat in the left rear and it hooked the right. And I knocked the right front off on the outside fence. Oh. You know, and if you look at the, the TV number graph, right, for the 500, the highest it's going to be is like lap 12 or lap 15. That's when, <laughs> that's when I did that, right? And then after that, like the numbers kind of creep down. Then they might peak a little bit at the end. The time where the maximum amount of eyeballs <laughs> around my first Daytona 500, I about killed Clint Boyer and wiped out the, f- the front stretch wall. So, yeah, that was awesome. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, and that's then shortly thereafter, you know, we had a, I had a couple strings of, of wrecked cars there at BK. I was just trying to learn the ropes, and uh, I, I was crashing so often. Some, some were mechanical failures because we were running some old stuff. Some were a lot of my doing. Uh, and there was a Twitter page that started up that was, did Corey wreck? Oof. And it was just a yes or no every week. And there was a string where it was like four yeses in a row. Oh. But I think whoever made that page got a little tired with writing no. So luckily, I'm in pretty good shape. Okay. Oh, man, that's that's rough. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, this is a remote work world now, right? I mean, you know, we're, we're all doing all, all sorts of distant stuff, Zoom. Uh, if, if they came to you and they're like, hey, you know what? You don't actually have to live, you know, near the shop. You can live wherever you want. W- would you want to live somewhere else? Um, I think Nashville would be pretty cool. Now it's a, another loaded question too, because pre-married would be a different answer than <laughs> married with kids, right? Because yeah, right. right now we live, we just bought a new house in Davidson. Uh, it's closer to my mom and dad, you know. So I love going to the seat shop and welding stuff or building stuff, and I love having my parents be able to take Levi for a night. We can go downtown and have a nice dinner, and I, so. At this point in time, man, I like where we live in, in Concord, um, and it's close to the shop, close to everything we like to do. It's two hours from the beach, two hours from the mountains, and we got grandparents who want to hang out with the grandson, so it works out pretty good. Yeah, it's it's crazy how the grandparents they're they're the important, equation. man. Yeah, Hel- having help is having help is key. <laughs> I totally understand that, um, Corey. If someone handed you an envelope and inside this envelope was the date of your final career win, would you open it? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, a, because you could orchestrate a hell of a party afterwards. <laughs> right? Like, you could plan for it. You'd be like, all right, two and a half years from now, you better clear the schedule. We're having a barn burn on Lake Norman. We're going to burn it down. <laughs> um, 
and as of right now, my last one will be my first one too. So that would be an even bigger party. Uh, what What if the envelope? What if it said, you know, your your last one was like a, a K and N win that you had or something, and it was like, Ooh. you know, it was like, oh, it's in the past yeah, or something, right? You know? Ooh, would you still want to? Now drive? it's getting spicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because who's to say that that letter or that note was true? Hey, you know what? You sound like your buddy Logano now because he said he'd want to prove it wrong if that was the case. Right, so, right. You know. So, like, you know, hey, in the Bible, God changed his mind, and he was the one who created everything. So you never know, right? But winning, obviously, since I've won zero times in my career or anything on a national level, isn't what drives me, right? What's driving me in my career right now is continue to make myself better as a race car driver, continue to make uh, guys around me better with whatever they can do, be a mechanic or crew chief or spotter or business guy. Like that's the stuff I'm, I'm enjoying a lot right now, especially with getting in with Spire at the foundation, like building something, having my small part in building something is a lot of fun for me, whether that's a race team, whether that's a business, whether that's, you know, building cool stuff. Like it's not necessarily the, the awards that do it for me it's it's the camaraderie and and the passion that of which i do it okay um have you achieved your childhood dream absolutely you know I, and i can't recall like and when you're a child you don't have what a like a, a formidable idea of what being a cup driver looks like until you get here and you're like oh this ain't what i dreamed of like this <laughs> is like this ain't rock star deal like <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of a grind, right? And it's not rainbows and dollar signs flying out of your ass. Like, it is a lot of work, and it's a lot of mental grind, uh, a lot of overcoming obstacles that you don't expect, right? So, seven-year-old Corey LaJoy would have just dreamed of racing the Daytona 500. Check that box, right? Twelve-year-old racing a Bandolero would love to race a, the dirt race or the the night race at Bristol, done that, right? But 29-year-old Corey wants to win a cup race one of these days, and that's what I'm still working on. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, each week, I uh, ask a driver to give me a question for the next guy. Uh, did one with Chase Briscoe, and he had two questions for you. All right. So, his first one was, uh, what is the most scared you've ever been uh, in a race car, I guess, for, for an incident or something like that? What, which, I guess, just what's the most scared you've ever been? And the second one is, have you, would you ever consider doing any sort of like uh, midget or sprint car racing? First question, uh, the answer would be back to the 500 that my first one was when, I'm not sure if this story is out there. I might have said it on a podcast, but it, it, it needs some light to it. So take it away. Okay. So my first 500, I was running the open car for BK, right? They had essentially no money there was like two guys working on that car getting it through tech pushing it around and i only ran one xfinity race at, at any speedway up into this and i ran like 20 laps and then brandon jones wiped out the whole field off of two so like that was all my drafting experience all the practice rains out so we line up right to the duels didn't make we might have qualified i don't know dead last or something so any and all cup drafting experience would have been the first green flag of the duels Wow. And Ron Devine was the car owner of, of BK, and he just come to the, he was the only guy at the car. He's like, you know, getting me buckled in with earplugs and all that, and I'm like, just white knuckled shit in my pants. And 
Ron says, you know, big guy, you know, I got faith in you, but we don't make the 500. I, you know, this might be the last one this unchartered car runs. <laughs> and then he puts the, like, puts the window in it up, right? Like, go get him. <laughs> and then one thing led to another. I ended up spit, uh, putting my nose somewhere. I probably shouldn't have been in hindsight. Ended up spinning out Reed Sorensen for the open spot, and he wrecked, and he got a little hurt. Ended up winning, and I was in the – or ended up not winning. Ended up making the show, and – uh, there, there, uh, Marty Smith asked me a question. I was crying in the media center the whole bit. So, like, the duel of that 2016, maybe it was, was where the scaredest I've been just because I had no clue what I was doing. I knew the objective, but I didn't know how to get there or what I was doing. So that was the most scared I've ever been. And when he put that winner up, like, hey, this is this is the one race that you have. Like, not the 500 three days from now. Like, this is the one, the duel, wow. to get in the show. And I damn sure would not be here talking to you today five years later if I hadn't have gotten to that 500. That's and then crazy. my my opinion is this. You know, we see Chase and we see all these guys, Newman, Chase even. I probably he, – he's probably a bad example because he's as tall as I am. But a midget is built for small people. A, six, a guy 6'2 does not belong in a midget. That's my, that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it. And – they would have to make the catch fence 10 feet higher if I went to the Chili Bowl because I would <laughs> just flip that thing out like nobody's best. I think it would be a blast to do, but, you know, I would if I was ranking midgets or anything to get in, I would probably rank it a – I would definitely get in a, a super Durley model for sure. Like I, I will get in one of those one day. Um, I wouldn't make it a priority to run a dirt midget or a, or a sprint car just because, I don't know, those, those things look dangerous. They look yeah. like a damn good time, but I'd rather full cage around me and – Something I can not worry about. Yeah. And don't out of the ballpark. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand that. Um, so I don't know who the next one is yet. Uh, I could, you know, of course you have the option to, uh, you know, wait uh, if you want to find out who it is or you can give no, a question I'll do in a general. Generic, I'll do a generic question. I haven't okay. thought about this. Oh, and I forgot that you, you do this, right? I had a good one on tap. But if you had to pick, okay. Here we go. If you had to pick one car and one track to race on for the rest of your life, what would you pick? Car in terms of like a, a style Cup of car, car? Martinsville, every weekend for the rest of your oh, life. Oh, I see. Dirt Midget at Kokomo for the rest of your life. Sprint car at Eldora, rest of your life. Because I think that like the car choice and the track choice says a lot about somebody. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, you could get a bunch of different answers with that. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, because cool. they're like, you know, Larson's going to say Sprint Car Eldora or, or, you know, someplace in, the, you know, Southwest, right? And Joey will say super late somewhere, Hickory, or, you know, like it's, it's, it would be cool to see where people's train of thought is with that. Yeah. Well, man, thanks for uh, being willing to do this in this very unorthodox uh, interview. Thanks, style man. Here. So I'm being a super spreader here <laughs> through the, thanks for visiting me. Yeah. The you glass, gotta, uh, the glass will protect us. I for think, the most part. I think so. That's, yeah. man, I, that's one of my favorite things about the 500 that I'm, I'm missing, right? Like, normally you have, like, the name across here. Yeah. And you got people coming up to sign autographs. Like, it's a little bit deflated. Now, I get that it's still the 500, but it's a little bit deflated because you don't drive through the tunnel and see the sea of tents and the campers. Um, but we're going to get back to that eventually. Just everybody bear with us, hopefully. All right, everybody. There you have it. Corey LaJoy with another uh, insightful and fun interview here on the 12 Questions and uh, next week, I actually do know who the interview is with. It will be with Tyler Reddick, 
That is the final interview that I recorded during Daytona Speed Weeks. And uh, that one was more back to the fence variety, however, not next to an air conditioner. So that one will be uh, coming up in your feeds next week. Hopefully you enjoy these. Um, I certainly enjoy having them uh, be heard by more people. And it seems like the feedback so far is even if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, many of you uh, prefer to have it on your own podcast feeds, you know, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. Uh, And so this makes it easier for you. So uh, at the same time, more people are hearing it. And of course, the written version of this um, is still behind the paywall. The written version comes out every Wednesday. These podcasts come out every Friday. So if you're looking to be an athletic uh, subscriber, would love to have you. We have lots of great stuff every week that comes out. So uh, please consider doing that. But uh, in the meantime, thanks so much for listening. And I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast.